Coming up next. I've got nothing but good things to say about my trade. The sense of accomplishment at the end of the day. You help somebody. You got to do something and you can physically see and feel what you did. It has done wonders for me and my family. Welcome to the Job Talk Podcast, where we talk with people who love their jobs. Our guests open up about their challenges, surprises, and secrets to success in their industries. Through conversation, we explore their careers, past work experiences, and the education that got them to where they are now. Today's guest is Dennis Payton. Here's our job talk with a resident field technician. I love to jump right into the conversation. So when you were graduating from high school, did you know that you were going to pursue skilled trades? Uh, no, actually my parents had pushed me to become an engineer and I did all the schooling for that. I sat down, I did have what I'd call like a field follow with an engineer for a day or two and I don't sit well. I didn't know that about myself, but I figured it out there. I couldn't sit still. I was constantly fidgeting and always moving around and it wasn't a fit. I actually found it a little bit boring, but two days doesn't exactly sum up a career at all. My dad owned a logging company. I'd always been around equipment and this was a, I can do this. <laughs> and then my uh, career lady in high school tells you what you're supposed to do. Yeah. She told me I was throwing my life away when I told her I was going to be a mechanic. So that was a career counselor at, yeah. at your high school? Yeah. Well, I hope today's high school counselors are giving the option to kids to look at the skilled trades. I mean, this is the late 90s. Oil was at like $15 a barrel. Nothing was really going great. There weren't many apprentices being hired. And they had been indoctrined in university that trades is a less than career. And kind of funny because we do really good now <laughs> yeah but so which which education did you pursue i went into fairview college in a general mechanics course because we got in a little bit late and i couldn't get in an eight at that time now that was a one-year course did me my first year automotive my first year heavy duty so i come up as a I had my schooling for first year. All I needed was my hours. And how, how did you enjoy the education? It was fun. You spend the morning in the classroom and the afternoon actually applying and doing what you just learned. And I learned with my hands. The best way to learn is to take it apart, look at it and go, ah, look at that. <laughs> it's, it's fun. I really enjoy it. What was your first job after getting your ticket? As an apprentice, my first job after getting out of school, so I was first year mechanic. They were a hydraulic shop that worked on pretty much anything. Their main uh, bread and butter was actually uh, processors and delimiters for forestry. But on the side we worked on, it, it was oil fields. You'd work on anything from a a blending unit for fracking to a farmer's tractor. So where were you based when you were, were doing this first job? 
That was in Grand Prairie. The Grand Prairie. Okay. Yeah. And you spent how many years working there in that position for that company? I was in there two years. So I did my first and second year hours there. And then I got a call from a customer that I'd fix some of their units and I needed to diversify because all I was getting there was hydraulic experience, which is really good, but you need transmit your powertrain, engine, electronics, electrical. You need a little bit more to be a well-rounded technician. And I was only doing one of, which doesn't really cut it. My first day I walked into the office and the branch manager handed me the keys to my service truck and said, we don't buy manuals. We don't supply tools. Uh, you're on call all of the time, every day of the year. Here's your truck. Here's your pager. There's a cell phone or there's a bag phone in the truck as well. I expect all of them on at all times, sink or swim. That was it. And then they put me to work. I followed around a journeyman for about two weeks because I'd never actually worked on a service rig before doing inspections for six months, CVIP inspections. It's like a, an inspection before the inspection. So brakes, yeah, basically a lot of brakes. <laughs> brakes, all the electrical, all the air systems, just make sure everything was working properly so that when it come in, it wasn't going to be down for a month and a half while you're doing repairs on it for its commercial vehicle inspection. And that was, that was a really good experience. It was a little hard on the body at first and it was an eye opener. Yeah. It's a I, different world out there. <laughs> just curious to know what was the mentorship like from veterans working in the industry? Were, did you find the people were quite helpful? It's the only reason I succeeded in that, in that role. I had, you don't need to know everything. And it's important an apprentice knows that. You don't need to know everything about everything. All you need to know is one guy who's really good at one thing and then never forget that name and never lose that number. And you can learn from them and apply it to what you're doing until you either specialize or you become extremely well-rounded. And in my case, there was a lot of, uh, the journeyman I worked with, with, there was three of them. They were fantastic. You're struggling. You're stuck. You don't know what to do or how to go about it. And all you need is just one person to go, <laughs> that's because you didn't lift this out of the way before you took that bolt out. And away you go. <laughs> but it was having a support program. I don't think it matters what career you're in. Having a mentor of some type or mentors is even better, is integral to your success. Your experiences with the positive mentorship, has that inspired you to pay it forward? Yeah, I always answer the phone for any and everyone. It's, it's a, I find it very important, especially for apprentices. <laughs> for sure. Can, can we talk about some of the places that you've gone in in the world? Where where has your career taken you? <laughs> uh, well, I started around Edson, and then I went up to Grand Prairie for seven years, and I spent eight years in the oil sands. Or be sorry, 
before I went to the oil sands, I did a small stint in Mexico. That was, you don't realize how good we have it here until you're in the middle of nowhere. And I mean like wagon trail in three landlines in the entire community and that's it. And you literally have to go in, give your number and wait for them to tell you to hop in the phone booth. They do all the dialing, everything. And it's quite complicated ordering parts. And you've only got five to seven minutes to do it. And the person on the other end, there's a language barrier and you're just not, you're just not hitting it. <laughs> They're not understanding. You're not communicating exactly what you need in their language. And it's just, it, it was a real eye opener. Why did you decide to come back to Canada? Well, I'd been married for, I spent my first anniversary, my first wedding anniversary down there. It was, I want to say six or eight weeks in and then two weeks out. And it wasn't, it wasn't for me. It just does it wasn't a good fit. The equipment that I was working on, I'd never seen before. That makes it a little complicated to begin with. You're flown in by plane and then taken out in a pickup and then literally walked up the side of a mountain and they tell you that you're going to have everything you need to fix the equipment when you get there. They've got a 5,000 pound pressure gauge and you're trying to shoot a pilot system with 600 pounds in it. That's not even accurate. You got a 916 wrench and a 15 inch crescent wrench and a screwdriver. That's all they had. It, it got pretty frustrating extremely frustrating and my wife was tired of me being gone let's get to your career with finning how, how did you come to join finning and what attracted you to the company back in the 80s i might be wrong on my numbers here but finning was one of the main employers for apprentices like all of the really good mechanics i'd ever met as a kid were all trained at or by finning. So it, you get an association going, he's good. He's good. He's really good. They all went here, kind of put one and two together. So it was always in, it was always my goal to work there, but at first it wasn't working because there was a stint there in the nineties and the early two thousands where nobody was hiring apprentices. It was extremely hard to get on with a job as an apprentice. And it was that short sightedness by the industry as a whole, not one or two companies, the whole industry, nobody hired apprentices. And then all of a sudden things went, things blew up in about 2001, 2002. The price of oil just kept doubling every couple of years. And all of a sudden, there's no apprentices. And you had a lot of people getting out of the trade because of age and wear and tear in the body. What, what's the company culture like at Finney? My experience with Finney, I've been with them 19 years. I started in 2005. So 18 years done and on my 19th year now. And they have treated me extremely well when one of my first daughter was born she had a collapsed lung 
And I'd only been with the company, oh, not long, under a year. I didn't have holidays yet. Let's stick it that way. So we took, I was working a six day on, six day off shift. We went to Grand Prairie to visit my wife's parents. And she was about a month or two before she was supposed to be before her due date. And my daughter come out. And then my wife hemorrhaged. There was, there was a lot going on. I have a mortgage payment that's due. We used our savings to move up to Fort McMurray. And we hadn't had enough. We didn't have enough saved yet. And I didn't, like, do I leave my wife and kid as my daughter's getting on a plane to go to Edmonton and my wife isn't healthy enough to leave Grand Prairie? Like, obviously, I'm going with my daughter. We'd talked about this beforehand. But I still have to go back and pay the mortgage. I was going to say that that would create some loyalty to the company. That's great to hear. And how's your daughter now? Oh, she's 17 years old and thriving. <laughs> okay, good. Can you talk about some of your biggest challenges that you've experienced working on equipment? The biggest challenges are, well, right now it's parts. It's COVID and everything. Getting parts is a challenge. doesn't matter on the brand or what color it is. Everybody's at a loss. It's getting better. It just, it's not where it used to be and it's not where it needs to be. That would be our biggest challenge. The other ones, most of the challenge is actually dealing with people. Because when you show up on site and you've got a customer who only has four pieces of equipment and the loader that's keeping everything going or the excavator that's loading the rock truck that the dozer's spreading, when that excavator's broke down, he's got four or five pieces that aren't making money. Everybody's sitting, he's paying two or $300 just in wages alone per hour. And there's other ones where on a drilling rig, for example, uh, they've got a, an excavator that mixes off the tailings. Well, if that excavator breaks down, they've got a two to three hour grace period for you to get out there and get it to the point where it runs or they have to switch it out. Getting there, being competent enough to figure out what's going on and get it running, sometimes not the way it should be, but enough that they can get what they need done for a little bit. Are, are you usually on your own in these situations or what's yeah. the support like for you? You can obviously call back to the office if, yeah. if you need help with something. That's it. Uh, as far as support goes, we've always got phones, uh, boosters, all the rest of it. It's really important to have a person or two that you can bounce ideas off of because sometimes it's not necessarily that you need somebody to tell you what to do. You just need to talk through the problem and have somebody listen. What do you love about your career as a heavy equipment technician? Every day is different. I could be working on a powertrain problem, rebuilding an engine one day, or taking a torque out of a unit one day and the next day dealing with basically the router system and how the different ECMs or computers talk inside a machine. So a grader, for instance, with uh, grade control has 13 ECMs in it. So 13 separate computers. Every one of them talks and every one of them has to be getting that digital signal back and forth. That's fun. It's, here's your problem. They can't figure it out. Fix it. It's, it's a lot of, I enjoy it. It's fun. It's a challenge. 
I see a lot of opportunity for people moving forward. What would you say to somebody that is considering a career with skilled trades? Do it. <laughs> Don't even hesitate. Do it. It is, it's rewarding. It's fun. It's challenging. You don't have to go to the gym because by the time you're done your day, you've got your thousand steps in or whatever it is. And you've been using your arms, your hands all day. Most days you come home with a sense of accomplishment, which a lot of jobs you don't get. And you feel good about what you did. doesn't matter if you're in scaffolding or, or plumbing or mechanic. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you built something. You physically have something that you took that wasn't working or wasn't there. You fixed it or you built it and you can stand back and go, I did that. That feels good. Really good. Well, Dennis, congratulations on your career. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast today to share some of your stories. I'm pretty passionate about getting other people into my trade. It's, it has done wonders for me and my family. And it shows. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kim. For information about careers at Finning, please visit their website, finning.com forward slash jobs. Thank you for tuning in to the Job Talk podcast. For more information, please visit us at thejobtalk.com. Our podcast music was created by our friend Mike Malone in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada.